Your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make it feel like your family. They make it feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Chill Show podcast presented by SmallReport.com. I am your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. We are back because it is spring football time in Edmond, Oklahoma, the much-anticipated first on-field look of the Adam Doyle era. Uh, the spring ball starting tomorrow and committing in the spring game on April 23rd, 6 p.m. inside Wantland Stadium. And we are here to break down the four biggest storylines as well as some other players' positions to keep an eye out on. Uh, before we get into that, though, we have secured the, uh, I don't know, say the, the, the services of Dante McGee, who has agreed to come on. Uh, in a couple of weeks for a spring football update, you remember I had talked about hopefully trying to be able to get Dante to come on uh, at some point during spring ball. We were able to go ahead and do that, and so I'm, I'm glad we were able to get that done. He also has agreed to come on after the spring. I hope to bring on at least a couple of more players, preferably a couple of more on defense and offense. Uh, for a post-spring special, so I will be on the lookout for that. I also want to thank you all for the support over on the Chosho Podcast Network YouTube channel. I posted on Twitter, this was last week or so, the Cooper Wilcox one-on-one video got over 100 views. That is the most so far in in channel history. So I do appreciate you all taking the time for that many people watch that. It's mind-blowing still. Uh, but if you have not, if you're new, the link to that channel is in the description. We got some big things coming. Uh, that way, there is a a channel update video that will spotlight a little bit of that. And then finally, want to give a shout out to the softball team. They followed your boy back on Twitter, and they have been killing it as far as liking and supporting the content. And on the softball diamond, I've not been able to uh, make it out there. You know, working for the NBA, it's very tough. But if you have the chance, go out there and support those ladies because they are really getting the job done. Also, want to give a shout out to the wrestling team. I think Heath Gray won a championship, national championship, and they placed fairly high. So uh, you know, another good season for a very good program. But you know, it, it, I, I think at least for me, this is probably the most hyped I've been for a spring. Solely because I feel like this is the first chance to show 
What I felt like in looking, doing research last night before recording this, that this is a team that's better than the 4-7 record indicates. If you look at the season as a whole, you look at the fact that you're a few plays here and there from posting a winning season, right? You look at the Missouri Southern game, you know, if Dan Bauman doesn't get beat on that touchdown, that's a 10-7 win. If you're looking at a 5-6 and six team, so you've at least matched the 2019 season. Uh, then you look at Central Missouri and the fact that if, if only Keith in his final game was able to get a couple of more yards, I think Alex Guerrero hits that field goal and looking at a 6-5 and five team. And then you look at that Pitt State game, a game that still just... This is just, just it eats me up because of the fact that the bogus penalty that they called was like a legal shift or lineman on that punt on that fourth down that gave Pitt State the first down, which pretty much ended 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 the end of the game. I feel like the offense was clicking at that point in time. Keats had just thrown two big touchdowns to Marquise and Josh Moore that they had. They were down by 19 in the fourth. They came back. They cut it down to six. I think they would have won that game. I think they would have scored in that game the way Keats was playing. And then even the Washburn game, I know the score looked worse than it was because Keats had that team driving down there. Jace got hurt on that drive. And then he was strip sacked on fourth down and returned for a touchdown. It, 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 this, is, this is a team that I feel like at least should have been six to five. Best case scenario seven, seven and seven and four. But even if you look at it, even if that was the case, if this did indeed be a six-win team, other than the fact that you had a winning record and you take those any way you can in the MIAA, you would not have been fully impressed by the season. I think if you just objectively looked at it, if you looked. From the, from the standpoint of the talent on the roster that was evident in various parts of the season, and then you look at the overall, the the, the production, the, the, the struggles, the weaknesses that did improve somewhat but was still glaring at the end of the season, I, I, I don't think necessarily would hold that season in high regard. It would, it would be, yes, we improved, Yes, we had a winning record. Yes, there's things to build off of. But you would ultimately say this team probably should have done better than what it did. And I feel like spring is a good chance to, for them to show that, uh, especially the subject of, to me, which it should be the biggest, <coughs> it should be the biggest thing to watch. As we go in the spring, and that is the growth and development of the offensive line. Okay, there's no secret the offensive line last year for the majority of the season was not good. Okay, and, and I think what made that more puzzling was you look at the start, the Missouri Western game. They played good all four quarters in that game. To me, the second half of that game was more so on Steph and uh, receivers with timing than, than, than it was the blocking. And then for whatever reason, they struggle mightily until the Fort Hayes game. 
Uh, yes, they did score 69 against Lincoln. Yes, we did score 49 against Northeastern North State. I take those with a grain of salt because no disrespect to, to Northeastern State and Lincoln, but the bottom feeders in the conference, it just is what it is. Fort Hayes, they, they were down by their standards. Still a darn good football team. Big physical group. And I felt like that was the first time since the season opener for four quarters. Uh, it, they, they put in a solid performance. And it, it showed it showed the offense was able to move the ball. We had the deep shot to Marquise for, for the touchdown. And then it got better after that point to an extent. You look at the... The fourth quarter in the Pitt State game, it was great line play. The, the, the Washburn game was tough. The Kearney game was tough. Sicilian Missouri was better, but it still was lacking. And, and you know, that's, that's if, if you look historically, at least in my four years covering UCO, I'm used to high school offenses, right? You know, I, I, I came in at the tail end are probably one of the greatest offensive eras in school history with Chastain as the quarterback, JT Looper, Josh Crockett, Elliot Curry at at, at receiver. Uh, no, then there was a young Dante at AIDS back. There was Clay McKenzie, an all-time great at, at running back. There was a quality offensive line. Noah Hammonds, Tyler Stillwell. Uh, Sam Noble, I think it was what Aaron Williams, right? So, you know, then, then 2018 comes, there actually was not much drop-off because you had the emergence of Will Collins. You had guys like Dustin Boskis that stepped up. Uh, you had guys like Mikhail Hall that stepped up. Dante McGee stepped up. Uh, you, you still had Clay McClay, McClay, McClay McKenzie back. It, it it just again the the offense was still scoring in the mid to high thirties, even in twenty nineteen. Given the offensive the, the injury struggles there with Keats, uh, with Will Collins, the receiver unit only being down to three or four guys, and you go back to that Missouri Southern game against the Missouri Southern team, I feel like was better than the Missouri Southern team that beat UCO this past season. And former UCO quarterback Chandler Garrett literally ran the same quarterback power over and over and over again to the tune of about 50-some-odd points in three quarters. And you that was due to the offensive line being sufficient enough to just win up front no matter what the defense threw at them. And that was not the case this past season. And that held a lot back, in my opinion, because if you remember... I said what one of my chief criticisms this past season was we did not take enough deep shots to Marquise King because when we did, good stuff happened that we did not utilize Don, Dante McGee enough. And again, when, when we did, good things happened. But I do think a lot of that had to do with the offensive line with, with, with former head coach Nick Bobek, former pass game coordinator Andrew Rice, not trusting them enough to take the deep shots, which to me really hampered the offense. Because when you had guys like Marquise, you had guys like Josh Moore, or you have guys like Dante, it's very tough when you're either not utilizing them or not utilizing them to their full potential because of that. So I think for the offense, 
to get back to where we were on the small offensive coordinator Christian Hood, where you're averaging 30 some odd points a game. You're not squandering quality defensive performances like they like they did against against um, Northwest Missouri, where in the first half the defense pretty much only held them held them to three points. They got that fluky Hail Mary touchdown to, to end the in the half, but. You know, in, in order for that to not repeat itself, in order for the offense to become what I feel like it should become this season, the line has to come together and come together quickly. And I think you have some pieces in place, right? You obviously have Lane Grantham, all-conference caliber guy. You have a senior leader at center and, and, and Alex Eichner, another all-conference caliber guy. There's Noah Dobson, in my opinion, is an emerging sophomore. Came on really strong there, especially in run blocking towards the end of the season. Outside of that, though, it becomes a bit a bit murky because you have sophomore Hector Becerra at tackle. All the counts I've been told is a great guy, very funny guy. But the play was inconsistent. He was a day one starter. He was benched. You know, it, it, he he got the job back because others just weren't getting the job done. Is you need two other linemen to emerge, you would prefer it happen in the spring because you 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 have talented guys now. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of red shirts I was high on, mainly Garrett Human out of, out of Westmore. Uh, there was Robert Givens out of Anna Anna Darko. That at times I felt like it, he, this is a guy. If you get if you get what he flashed, where he was just nasty, was a similar, similar in the mold of Noah Dobson, but just not all the time. If, if we could get that out of Robert Gibbons, I think he could he could he could possibly push. There's also Cooper White in the six eight three seventy dude out of Columbus. That former head coach Nick Bobek said was extremely raw but athletic. There's also Lyndon Evans, athletic tackle out of Newcastle, Montra Lee out of Dell Dellsville City, and then you have fellow sophomores Cooper McCoy out of Durant, Jamal Rowan out of Guthrie, and then senior Connor Half. If we could just get two more guys out of that group, and you know. Eichler, Grantham, and Dobson don't take a step a, a step back, uh, and, and we can get week one production like we did this past season for eleven straight straight games. I think would do this team wonders. I, I I think it would really help the offense get off to a good start, and I think would definitely help out the man who is the subject of number two on this list which is Stephon Brown and improvement. Okay, now if you listen to the one-on-one -on -one with Stephon Brown, I encourage you, if you have not, to to do so because he talks in detail about the things that he feels like he needs to improve on here. Uh, some of them was footwork, decision-making, pocket presence, knowing when to give up on on a play and becoming a, a smarter runner because there is no more Keith Calhoun and I said this numerous times before. To me, it is a darn shame that Keats was, was never able to play a full season due to injuries because you just have to wonder how many records he would have set given his talent around him for the majority of the man's career. I also said 
if you go back to the uh, breakdown videos, I was happy that Keith ended his career at least playing the best ball I've seen him play in a UCLA uniform. I, I hated that that the wins weren't there to bag him up towards the end of the season because he did a darn good job in that Wasburn game. He was getting hammered in that in that Wasburn game. I remember talking to former head coach Nick, Nick, Nick Bobek after that game and how emotional the man was uh, out of the performance that he saw out of out of out of out of Keats, uh, even that Pitt State game and his his final game against Central Missouri. Uh, you just you couldn't say enough good things there about Keats and the fact that Keats was always there to stabilize, you know, from from Will Collins and 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 Chandler Garrett. There was always Keats even this past season when when Steph kind of had his struggles there. It, it, Keats was able to come in there and, and I just not having that anymore. It's even more important that Steph does take that next step does become a better passer because, like I said before, we don't need Steph to become Mahomes. Although I would appreciate it if that would be the case. He's the man's a Panthers fan. We don't need him to be MVP level Cam Newton. And again, I will not decline that. We just need Steph to just be able to complete the passes when called upon. Because when we talked to running back Jace Gardner, whether he realized it or not, he kind of tipped the hat about the offensive schemes when he mentioned that the running backs will be a focal point in the offense and that he believes he can get enough carries to rush for 1,500 yards should tell you where the offense is is, is headed. As Stephon completed 57% of his passes, one touchdown for three picks, if we can get that up closer to what Keats had around 60%, we can just connect on the deep shots to Marquise, which if the offensive line improves, should indeed be there because the ground game will most definitely be there behind Jace Gardner and Peyton Scott as the farm Brown running ability. If we just get the growth as a passer, I would, I would like to see similar growth out of Stephon that we saw out of former quarterback Chandler Garrett. Now, for those who are uh, new here, Chandler Garrett out of Mustang, he started his career at Wyoming, set behind Josh Allen. He transferred in 2017, set behind Chad Stallard. Was used similar to how OU used Blake Bell for a period of time as a running quarterback. In 2018, was beat out by... Keats, but, but by, by Keats Calhoun, Keats unfortunately got hurt. Chandler Garrett's first action, he was 4 of 10 for a buckle, 5, 1 touchdown, and 1 pick. I think, in a, I think it was against, was it against Fort? It was against Lindenwood, against against Lindenwood, who was no longer in the, in the conference. Led the win there. His first career start came against 4th ranked Northwest Missouri, Northwest Missouri State at home. I, that, I recall that game because the team was playing on high emotion because that was shortly after the Derek Larkston train accident. And he had his best game as a UCL Bronco from a passing standpoint. I think he threw for 275 and like three touchdowns in that in that upset. 
could not recapture that same production for the rest of the season, but was still a very good running threat, but was limited because teams knew that. Then the following season, in 2019, he worked in the offseason. He got better as a passer. When Will Collins got knocked out of that game against uh, Kearney, and then when Keats got hurt, Chandler stepped up there. As I mentioned before, he had the game against Missouri Southern uh, where he set the single-game quarterback rushing record. He, he, he led that game-winning drive against Walsburn. And, and that was due to the improved passing and the fact that Chandler became a competent enough passer to where teams just could not stack the box and they had to respect it. Uh, he was able to hit the deep shots to Dustin Boskis and, and to Diego Richards when he was healthy. And, and so if we can just get something similar out of Stephon because Stephon, from a pure talent standpoint, I said this before, I'll say it again, from a pure talent standpoint, is the best quarterback I have seen in a UCL uniform in my four years in terms of height, weight, speed, playmaking ability, arm talent. It is leadership. It is it is all there. It is all there. It's just the accuracy and, and being able to know when to give up on a play because, again, I respect the man. For trying to extend the play, but it, it it did it did hurt at times, especially in that Emporia game. It really hurt, but I, there were also positive signs outside of the first half in the Missouri Western game. Right, you go back to that Emporia game. They were down in that fourth quarter. He did lead two touchdown drives in that in that fourth quarter. Now they still lost that game by ten, but he was able to tie it up. He did good things. You see, he still ran for 11 touchdowns. Uh, he would have had over 500 yards rushing if you negate the sacks. And again, we sh we've seen what the full potential could be with Steph looking at the Southern Nazarene scrimmage when he came off the bench on like, on like a day's notice, led the comeback. Missouri West in the first half, the throw to Marquise, I will maintain until proven otherwise. Top Three pass I have seen in my time here. The 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 touchdown run that the man had. I still contest to you. He has that it factor that I said I felt with Chad Stallard and with Will Collins in, in 2018. He was never out of the game. And I got that towards the very end of the Keith Calhoun era. If he can just improve as a passer... It would, it would, it would definitely take the offense, I think, to a new level. Now, granted, his improvement as a passer will be for nothing if storyline number three does not happen, which is someone to step up to assist Marquise King, as we know, Josh Moore, two tremendous end of season stretches is now is now gone. Man led the team in catches. Well, second yards and and touchdowns, and Diggle Richards, the other deep threat, is transferring, which is unfortunate because Diggle Richards, when he was healthy, which was very rarely, sadly, guy was a beast. Let's be honest here. I mean, the, the guy was an absolute beast, and, and I, I, you know, I, I salivated greatly about having both him and Marquise on the field at the same time. Just sadly, we very rarely had that. 
But when we did, oh, it was, it was, <laughs> so, it was so good, man. It was so good. But like I said, now we need guys to step up. Most notably to me, this is somebody I've been a fan of. I have much respect for. What I felt like had a really a down year was turning by Zelda Fourth. If you recall in the past, by Zelda Fourth, his calling card has been as a sure-handed, tough receiver, wanting to go across the middle of the field, get walloped, which did lead to some injury concerns in eighteen and nineteen. He was healthy this past season. Thank you. Thank goodness, and uh, but but again, I felt like did not live up to the billing of the sure-handed guy that he once was. I will say he was sure-handed on punt returns, fielding punts, and triple and quadruple coverage. Uh, but if we can just get back to him being sure-handed, being that 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 chain mover, that safety net, I, I think will go a long a long way because that that's what Josh. Uh, Josh, Josh Moore did pick up on that. He, he kind of picked up the slack on that, as well as also being an intermediate to downfield threat there that he was in the system of Missouri in that Pitt State game. Uh, and so we, we definitely need Bizell there to get back to where he was. We also looking for Dawson Huddleston, the guy out of Marlowe. I've been high on. He had that nice one-handed Touchdown in the end zone against Northeastern State in 2019. He, he only played in two games last year. I don't know if he was hurt. Whatever the case is, we definitely, I hope he was able to get back to where he was. Uh, and then there's Quinton Lewis, the Abilene Christian transfer, the senior. Only had six catches. I feel like half of them came against... Was it? It was Central Missouri or Northeast State. One of the two. Uh, we need more from him. It's, it's, there's just there's no way around it. You can say the same thing for Peyton Lust, the Missouri State transfer out of a while, so really had minimal impact. But there are some other guys. There is some red shirt. Like I said, you know, this is a unit. If you look at it on paper, it does not jump out at you. Like outside of Marquise, there's no one. I'm just like. Definitely afraid of. Now, there is some red shirts that I am high on, particularly Terrell Davis out of Choctaw. Uh, Terrell Davis out of Choctaw, that tape reminded me a lot of Lee Curry. For those who are new, Lee Curry was a receiver out of Guthrie, a darn good receiver out of, out of, out of Guthrie. Was positioned to be the go-to guy in 2018. Unfortunately, broke his collarbone in the upset of Northwest Missouri. Was then booted off the team in the spring, heading into the 2019 season. Ended up at Henderson State, another Division II school. Has become a multiple-time All-American and someone I'm sure will get looks at one of the leads, leagues in in the next level. The team reminded me of him. We're talking about just a pure, explosive, physical playmaker. Goes up and gets the ball. Plays much bigger than his frame would indicate. I'm high on him. 
I'm also high on Chris Atkins Jr., the sophomore out of Hugo. Yeah, tape reminded me a lot of Josh Crockett. Again, for those, those who are new, Josh Crockett out of Bristol. High-level FBS guy. He was not able to qualify for grades when he ended up at, 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 at UCO. Became an absolute beast. Remember the guy here, 6'4", 190, had like a 40th vertical, ran a 4'5". Uh, spent a year with the Kansas City Chiefs. He spent a year in the, in Canada with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and then spent a year in the XFL with the Dallas Renegades. Again, Chris Atkins Jr. displays a lot of similarities. There's also Javon Wright out of Vian that former head coach Nick Bobek was extremely high on. Uh, I think he is a deep threat, which is greatly needed. So we're hoping... He is as good as advertised. I know the last time former Nick, former head coach Nick Bobek was extremely high on the rest of the receiver was Mikhail Hall. Mikhail Hall and a John Marshall for two years. For two years, coach uh, uh, kept on hyping him up. And it started off very slow, had like one catch in three games. And then he had a game where he had like two or three catches. And after that, just turned it on. And became an all-conference guy. If we get the same thing out of Javon Wright, would be huge. Uh, also, would like to see some improvements out of Jalen Teague and Sarah Davis, the, the freshman that played last year, had a combined twelve catches. Uh, to me, more big physical possession guys should be should be really good in the red zone. Uh, but like I said before. I will hope to see in the spring, we, we at least see Bazel back to where he was, and hopefully one of the one of the red shirts, so Terrell Davis, J Javon Wright, or one of the other sophomores that haven't played a whole lot. Uh, Javion Dangerfield out of Duncan, I believe, was also a very explosive deep threat, and then as before, Chris Chris Atkins Jr. out of out of, out of, out of Hugo. I would like to hopefully have some answers on that front, similar to the offensive line, before we get to fall camp, and where we're hoping then that a very talented receiving class, led by Kavion Williams out of out of out of Westmore. If you just watch that Jinx tape, it tells you all you need to know about the the, the, the playmaking speed ability that 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 he possesses. I'm hoping he gets the red shirt and then we have a Marquise Kingham just replacement for four years. There was also Jalen Slim Reed out of Ardmore to take reminded me a lot of the aforementioned McKill Hall. And there's a Juco Madison Ridgeway out of Iowa Central a Community College. That tape looked really good. We're talking about a guy here, 6'3. Uh, he's not a burn, but he is faster than Teague Davis and Huddleston. Uh, so much so that defenders routinely played 5 or 10 yards off the man. Can go up and get it and in traffic and jump balls. Not afraid to go across the middle. As a solid route, route runner. I think he's a guy that will probably end up starting. I'm not going to hold you here. I think he's a guy that will probably end up starting. Worst case scenario... We'll see a lot of playing time, but I'd be surprised given his height, weight, speed, that he does not have a big, a big impact. 
Uh, and then we will also hope that the offensive line is able to improve. We get to you see Dante McGee more in the past game because again, 2018, 2019, early on before, yeah, I know, I'll say, yeah, 2018, 19, I feel like best showed the man's ability in the past game because Dante did not make a ton of catches during those those years, but when he did, though, they were big impact impact plays because the defense had to account for the other receivers that. You know, he kind of went under the radar, which was unfortunate for them, which was great for us. And I'm just hoping we can get back to that because, again, they're talking about a guy here, 6'5", about 260, too big for defensive backs, too fast for most linebackers. If you go back, he's actually the second leading returner receiving in terms of catches and yards. He had a nice touchdown against Fort Hayes. He had that five-catch game against you, the Pitt State or Central Missouri, uh, that Wasburn game. Probably the best game I've seen out of Dante, just running over three and four defenders. Uh, That that was probably the most physical and emotional football game I've seen him play. And and he's just just a guy I'm hoping can get more looks because he's definitely an all-conference guy. He is is a former all-conference guy. I feel like he still is that if just given the opportunity. Uh, and then, also excited to see Dominic Dunn, the red shirt out of Mustang. Reminded me a lot of Dante McGee in the highlight film. So, like I said, I, I think if the offensive line can come together, we get some, some playmakers in the receiving game outside of Marquise and Dante. We're looking good. Looking good. And then finally here of other note positions to look out for on offense would be the backup job at both at, at quarterback and a third string job at running back because, like I said, there's no more Keats. So the only two scholarship quarterbacks is J.D. Geneva out of Coweta slash Union and Caleb Allen out of Stillwater. I'm assuming one of those two guys will probably end up being QB2. I'm curious to see which one it is. Honestly, I've not watched a lot of film on either one of those guys past their signing day. Uh, so that, that's position I would look forward to, to looking at closely come the spring game. And then a running back. There is a unit that only has four scholarship backs. And so the third back right now would feel like it's obviously down to either Tadden Anderson, retro freshman on Alex, and then Brandon Drake, the retro freshman out of Wagner. I'm curious to see if that's going to change in the fall when Antonio Jr. Smith out of Union, a Division One level running back that had several FBS offers, and then Nathan Jones out of Clinton come in there, see if they actually push for a third string job or they get the red shirt. Uh, and then looking over on defense where we had the final major storyline to watch for is the defensive backs. I feel like if you, if you watched your show last year, this is no surprise that this is my one of my biggest ones. Most notably at corner, but I say defensive back as a whole because you do lose Georgia Southern transfer safety Marshall Washington, darn good safety. 
Uh, he did not make as many splash plays as, as his fellow safety mate, Dylan Buckheit, who was robbed of first-team all-conference. I don't know how the man makes 89 tackles, two pick sixes, three picks, a forced fumble, and a fumble, fumble recovery, and gets second-team. I've not felt that a UCL Bronco was slotted that bad in postseason uh, accolades since 2017 when receiver JT Looper, who led every level of football in receiving yards, was somehow only a second-team All-American. I would like to know who was judging that, who made the decision, because clearly they need, they, they need the eyes checked. Uh, and, and don't know what they are watching. But outside of that, though, I think safety is a position, quickly here, that uh, that I think, depending on who is asked listed as a safety, because on, on Bronco Sports, they just have DBs listed as DBs. And I think this will also depend on if UCO stays in that 4-2-5, because if they don't, then maybe Jonathan Mosley, the sophomore call Albert, had that nice pick against Wasburn. Maybe he goes back to more of a natural safety position uh, instead of being a hybrid linebacker safety guy. Or, or maybe because the numbers are limited at linebacker, maybe he slides down. I'm not that that's just the guy overall. I, I look out for where he's mainly aligned at. Because I feel like he can go in two different directions and be a factor at either spot and uh, then there's also in terms of red shirt well actually there's also Raekwon Wicks and you recall Raekwon Wicks burst on the scene that Missouri Western game two big plays including the game winning pick he, he got a scholarship uh yeah he got a, he got a scholarship that 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 week and it was a guy from my head coach Nick Bobek uh, had told me after we after we concluded the 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 football preview episode that he believes is a guy that has a chance to play on Sundays. That's the first time in four years that Club Bobek has explicitly stated that a player has Sunday potential. So I do not take that lightly. Uh, and he was the guy that kind of cooled off after that fact. Now the man still made some plays. But if we could just get that 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 week one, uh, Raekwon Wicks, I, I feel like we might have something there. Uh, but then as far as safeties go, you got some red shirts. You have Gage Laney out of out of a wall, so that led the state in picks his senior year. There's Mark Goldsby out of Holland Hall, and then there's Quayshawn Leathers out of Tahlequah, which was a huge get because anytime you can. Take a Tahlequah native from North Northeastern State is a good day. Uh, but again, as long as Dylan Bughide is back there, I, I feel confident we can slide somebody in there. Uh, you know, as 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 long as they have similar production to Marshall Washington, we should be fine. I'm more concerned about the corners, okay? Because Kobe Stevens. He came on. He came on strong, mainly after the Northeastern State game. Uh, you recall at the end of that first half, Northeastern State's lone touchdown drive came when they when they, they moved Mark Whelan from Haskell, one of the one of the better receivers in the conference, against Colby. 
Uh, he did eat Kobe's launch up, but to Kobe's credit, though, he did come back in the second half, allowed very few catches, if at any, and, and used that to finish off the season really strong. I think Kobe's a guy, if he can avoid a sophomore slump, can add some strength, some girth in the weight room because I think that 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 was a problem. Some he had problems sometimes against bigger receivers, bringing them down and such. If he can add some strength, Kobe could be a really good corner in this league. Because you watch Kobe play, it's 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 not it's not flash, right? I, I would say if we're looking at Kobe. In terms of a of a freshman impact at corner, probably the biggest one since Kobe Underwood back in 2018. As you recall, Kobe Underwood was just clutch. Kobe Underwood was a similar stature. I think Kobe might be a tad bit taller. I, I compared I compared Kobe to Zach Sanchez just came away with timely interceptions. And, and and I think Kobe is more of uh, 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 he's he, he's more of just a solid corner, right? Like where if if you were there in 2018 and 19, you know I, you know what I'm talking about when I reference Kobe Underwood. Kobe was your splash corner, the guy who might get beat a little, but it, it push comes to shove, it's gonna come up with a major turnover, whether it be a pick, a forced fumble. Fumble, fumble recovery, you know, or, or a big breakup. Like and Kobe was that big play corner, and that in crunch time was going to rise to the occasion and get the play. I think Kobe's more in the Darius Hawkins role, which is good because Darius Hawkins, the previous them transfer from Douglas is now gone, and I, I do want to say, I I I, I was too critical of Darius during the season. When, when, when I went back and, and watched more tape, Darius Hawkins was actually a very solid solid corner all things considering. Like, like I said, he, he didn't make a whole, a, whole, a whole lot of splash plays, but he did make the tackles. He did get breakups. He did make life tough for the receiver more times than not. And I think that, like I said, that's a, that's a guy that I, I grew to appreciate similar to a Robert Fuentes when I went back and, and, and watched the tape. But again, I think Kobe here, buying a sophomore slump, could possibly be a four-year starter. Now, where where we need where we need help is the other corner because this is a guy. And Nickelback that I, I need to bring on the podcast and I because I, I need to know what the secret sauce is. Does he have some of CP3's water? What what did because Trayvon Craig went from a special teamer to day one starter at Nickelback last year and was a darn good nickelback. Now he had a couple TFLs, he had a he had a half sack, he had a pick. Uh, he had a forced fumble. He had that thirty-yard fumble recovery that, they, that he almost scored on against Central Missouri. I just want to know what in the world happened from two thousand nineteen to two thousand and twenty-one because he made a heck of a leap, and, and I, I just I, I want to know. I, I want to know because if Trevor Craig take that next step, 
and coverage, the way he did just overall this past year, it's going to be a scary sight. Because Trayvon Craig was by far the best run defending corner. Uh, he he used the leverage that he learned as a uses as a wrestler to make sure tackles, nice form tackles. He's a physical corner. And I, I really, I really think this is a guy that should have a stranglehold on that nickel position. What we need, though, is another corner to opposite of Kobe. And this is, this is, this is, this is, this is a man that just, if you were there 2018, all right, I mentioned Mikhail Hall earlier. If you were a long-time listener, you remember how I questioned Mikhail Hall early and often those first three games of the season, and then I gave the man his props when he turned it on. Okay, I, I'm going to do the same thing because it, when we historically, in my four years covering UCO, there's been a high-level FBS transfer more times than not they had panned out, okay, especially on defense, right? Because you look, Draquan Brown, Northern Illinois, six and a half sacks in like five games, is now playing in the USFL, okay? You look at, uh, you look at, 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 uh, oh, the guys, Marshall Washington, safety, George Sutton transfer, came in, day one starter, solid, solid safety. You look 2018 at corner. You had Ball State transfer Deion Hallman, Kansas State transfer Jordan Oil, single-handedly saved that secondary uh, because uh, the, the corner, the other corners, they started with Kobe and Daniel Bauman, who were raw as as, as redshirt freshmen. They inserted Deion Hallman and Noel back there and it stabilized the secondary. I cannot say the same for former Under Armour All-American, former Tennessee Volunteer, former Independence Pirate, Malik Gray. Okay, Malik Gray, I, I, I really, it pained me to see him check into the ballgame. It, it, it really did. If I was in a good mood, it was shattered at that point. Because I had a good feeling of what was coming. It was going to either be the man was about to get up a bunch of catches. Man was about to get beat deep as he as he did against Lincoln. Or the man was about to get called for a bunch of pass interferences. I lost Barry Higdon in the 2018 bowl game. Okay. And it would not have been that bad if it was not for the fact that Malik Gray comes in. High-level guy, SEC transfer, the pinnacle of college football, as people claim. Former unarmed American, high-weight speed boxes, check. No reason why at this level he should not have been able to come in and be the number one corner and instead was a guy who you hate to see step on the field. Now, you know, I don't want to just flame the man. Okay, because he did have flashes that encouraged you. Okay, he had the sack. He did against Fort Hayes 
on Northeastern State, he, he, he had the sack, the way he fired off that blitz, he made the tackle, laid the quarterback out, surprised he did not break the man's back, okay? There were other times in coverage, he was like Velcro on the receiver, played good physical coverage, which again, you have to have in this league without getting called for pass interference. But those felt like they were few and far in between given the totality of the body of work from Malik Gray this past season. And in my opinion, given the man's talent, given the quality of the defensive line, the quality of that pass rush, there is no reason why Malik Gray should not be number one corner in this on the team should not be one of the better corners in the league because the talent is there. As of right now, because Todd Griffin, the Oregon transfer in 2019 that was a running back, while he did not live up to the hype that we had, you could see what made this man elite. He had elite speed. He had really good moves. He had really good hands. He just had a problem holding on to the football. Last season, I'm not going to lie to you, I had a hard time, a very, very hard time for the majority of the season trying to figure out what in the world made Malik Gray so highly regarded. Because I was not seeing it. I, I was not seeing it until those players that I mentioned before. And you're like, okay, maybe it is in there. So I don't know. I don't know if Malik is listening to this, okay? I, listen, Malik, I'm not doubting your natural talent because there is a reason why you were highly guarded at a high school. There's a reason why you were a four-star. There's a reason why you were an All-American. There's a reason why Tennessee, among other Power 5 high-level colleges, weren't your services. What I'm saying is... Whatever you use to get to that point, okay, I, I need it from you. Your team, we, we need it from you for four quarters for 11 games. You give me four quarters for 11 games of that play. I'm telling you this defense could possibly be among the best in the league. Granted, it was among that last year, but it could be even better. Because you return the bulk of the defensive line. You do not lose a single starter on a defensive line. You return one of the better safeties in the league. There is a budding corner in Kobe Stevens. If Malik Gray can become the number one corner that I feel like he should be, I'm sure I'm not alone in that sentiment that Malik Gray should be the number one corner on the team. Should be among the best in the league, given the physical tools, given what we've known the man can do in the past. If if he can produce to the level where he should be producing, I do not see why what was an absolute weakness for 11 games last year could not be a strength this year. Okay, because the fact that we got Kobe. I felt like was pressed into more playing time than at least I had imagined. 
Jonathan Mosley emerged as a very solid hybrid guy, made some good plays. Raekwon Wicks was a walk-on, was pressing the playing time. He had great impact there. There, could, there is some good that could come out of the struggles of last year, but we have to have guys like Raekwon, like Kobe, Mosley, that can continue to build off that, uh, that can improve off that, avoid the sophomore slumps, not take the step back. Uh, similar to Trayvon Craig as well, if we can just if we can continue to improve in coverage that I felt like did get better as the season went on. I want to give Trayvon credit on that too, because I kind of made it sound like he was only good in the run game. The man did improve in coverage. All right? If you look early in the season, later in the season, Trayvon Craig did improve in coverage. And uh so I do want to give, do want to give him credit credit on that on that front, but we need Malik Gray to me is the main one I want to see where he is in the spring game. I, I w- I'm going to watch that man if if I can find his jersey number. I'm going to watch that man closely if anybody on defense because I need to see improvements there out. Of Malik Gray that would lead me to believe that we could see a different, a better, a a a good as advertised Malik Gray that I felt like we should have had all along. Okay, and that this is also a position that I feel like some of the battles might go until the until the fall because. There is a long list of guys. Aside of the ones that I mentioned, there's also Tavis McDonald, uh, sophomore out of Sulphur. There's Greg Wittenberg and Kyson Murray Jr., two sophomores out of Del City. There's Keyshawn Didden, a redshirt freshman out of Putman City. And then there's uh, two more redshirt freshmen and Torn Walker out of Tulsa Edison and Caleb Webb out of uh, Muskogee. Best case scenario... As we, as, as we recap here, the top four points. Best case scenario, we we, we emerge with and, uh, hopefully five offensive linemen okay, that we feel confident. We feel confident in if the season had started the next day after the spring game, we feel confident we could go into battle with these guys and get the job done. Okay, we, we see... Excuse <coughs> me. We, we see... That someone in the secondary, cough, cough, Malik Gray, has taken the next step. And we feel confident if the season started the next day. We'd be confident in the in that the, the corners that we throw out there. That Johnny Bizell at receiver, the sure-handedness half return. Because to me, that was the only knock on Bizell because the route running was still there. Uh, his his willingness to still make the tough catches was still there. It just it's just it's just the 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 the, the hands, the sure handedness. He had more drops, which is very tough because the man very rarely ever dropped the ball. But the drops did hurt, and, and Marquise can also improve the catching because there were times that Washburn game. He did have some pretty big drops. I don't know if he was looking to run before he secured the ball, but he did have some 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 drops that were concerning. So we can get that cleaned up there. If, if we see that Steph 
it has improved the accuracy. I'm not going to say the accuracy, okay? Because I can kind of live with the, with 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 the playmaking because that 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 to me is who Steph is, right? It was similar to Chaz in a way, similar to Will Collins in a way. They both ran around. I feel like you don't want you don't want to you don't want to limit that too much because that that's just who Steph. That's what makes Steph Steph. It's just is the accuracy improve enough from last season? If 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 it, if it, if, it, if, it, if that's the case, they were in great shape heading into the into the into the fall. Um, and then then rounding out the rest of defense here, some battles to watch. I mentioned linebacker earlier. Uh, that is a very small unit because that was hit hard by graduation and the transfer of Elijah Wright to OSU to play with his his brother Solomon Wright. That's only a five man unit right now, uh, with two of the top guys, one being Jason Harris Jr. out of Book T, coming off a season ending injury, and then Marlo Hughes Jr. out of Enid. Uh, had a great 2019 before he broke his collarbone, and then was kind of beat out by Lamontre Huval and Eliza Wright, and then plus the scheme change, they dropped from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5. So I'm curious to see how both those two guys look, and then you have Jaden Mullen, the sophomore out of Millwood, and then two registered freshmen, and Darian Davis out of Muskogee, and Caden Wolford out of Meeker. That's a group I would not be surprised if by fall, uh, Coach Doyle and his staff bring in a couple of more guys. Just from a number standpoint, so you're not forced into playing the freshman that was signed. Uh, granted, there was some good freshmen. Uh, Jack Puckett out of Bigsby reminded me a lot of the Dylan Hall was just a great downhill thumper as a linebacker. And then uh, Joey Haver, the kid out of out of Jinx. I feel like it'd be a great hybrid safety guy. Reminded me a lot of Wake of, of Dylan Buckheit and Trayvon Craig. And then the secondary I'm just I'm also high on Jalit Lewis out of Denison, Texas. Um if no one emerges in the spring, I just don't be surprised when he gets to campus in the fall. If you're hearing this man's name a lot and you see him on the field a lot early, just do not be surprised because you recall when Dylan Buckheye first got to the scene, he was a guy I was high on that watched him more. He worked his way on the field extremely early on as a true freshman and, and then once the car unfortunately got hurt there towards the end of the season, he stepped in as a starter and has and, and has, has held on to that job ever since. So those are some names. Also, there's Curtis Wilson out of Okima at safety there. I feel like could also press depending on what that's looking like uh, post-spring. But then, but then the first off here, look out for the, the rotation on the defensive line because that the, the, the front of the defensive line yeah, he started with the most dominant defensive lineman I've seen in a UCL uniform, which is saying a lot because I, I I've seen some 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 pretty good ones. No, uh, Eli Hooks, Justin Stewart, um, Carson Smith, 
Noble Lie brand among among others. It, it just cannot compare to the dominance that is Mr. All Region 18, 18 and a half TFL 3.5 sack. 40 tackle Michael Slater. It's just I, I cannot say enough good things about Michael Slater. As a defensive tackle, the way the man impacts the games, I mean, double, triple team, it does not matter. He still makes the play. Uh, I, I could go on and on about it. it the, the, the best way to describe Michael Slater, it, he's, he's different. The man is just different. Put on the tape before he got hurt against Northwest Missouri, one of the better teams in the whole country. He got hurt on a play was on the ground and still made the tackle. He put on the pitch state tape. There's a play where he gets past a double team on the opposite side of the field, runs the quarterback down, gets a strip sack. He put on the tape against Wasburn, and I was a very good Wasburn team, and he, he's just once again making plays. I think he got hurt, hurt in that game as well. And then finally, you put on a Central Missouri game. And there's a play. He splits a double team so fast they could not show a replay of the previous play. They had to cut to it. And right as he is engulfing the running back for a loss. There's a play in all 10 games that he played in where you just say that means he's different. And, you know, there might not be many, if any, Broncos that are going to get a shot at the pros. From this past season. Believe me when I say. I can think of at least four or five. In this coming season. That I feel like would definitely. Get some looks. Michael Slater is top of that list. He's top of the list. Because they, they always say. If you're from a small school. You have to dominate. In order to get looks. If he has a repeat. Of, of what he did. Then you can't tell me. That he's not going to get looks. At one of the various leagues, because he's too talented to not play at at the next level. And then you look at Robert Fuentes. Like I said, it was a guy I did not appreciate until watching the footage again. Just impacts the game more than his four sacks, the team high four sacks would indicate. I, just a constant force off the edge. Again, they didn't well. Wicks does not secure that game-winning pick against Missouri Western if not for three immaculate pass rushes by Robert Fuentes. Just the whole season, it just affect the quarterback from a, from just a pass rushing standpoint because the man is so long when he, when, he, when he puts his hand up, deflects the passes, alters the passing lanes. And, and, and what was crazy when I talked to Coach Fasad Sanders for the one-on-one and he didn't come to UCLA until two weeks before fall camp. So you get this man in a in a weight room, a full off season to know the playbook. It, it's it's going to be. I think Robert Fuentes. The sky is the limit. We just have to tone down some of those personal fouls that the man had. But otherwise, I should, I'm looking for a big season there. Out of Fuentes, then you also return Hunter Largen, Zane Adams. But you 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 also are losing some rotational guys. You're losing guys like Joseph Rock, uh, Derek Shaw, who were starters in years past. 
says I saw. So there is need for people to emerge in that second unit. I know Coach was high on Zane Adams at high school. <clears throat> Excuse me, the other offseason that, that he's having in the in the weight room. He's also looking at Vaca Tufa at a Poto that I've been high on. He said if he can get his uh, body, you know, in, in better shape. Man can be a force. Uh, then you've also got Mike Pope Jr. at Adelphi. I think he had a sack there against North Northeastern State. Uh, you also have Michael Pope, a sophomore out of Edmonds Santa Fe. I think he was a Missouri State transfer. And then Jordan Levu, another junior college transfer. And he also has some really good red shirts. Two I'm really high on is Montreal Colesor out of Bishop Kelly. Uh, I think I'm, this is a man I'm looking forward to seeing finally get on the field because that highlight tape out of Bishop Kelly was just was just uh, it, it was it was different. It was different, and I thought this could be a, a very good impact lineman for years to come. There's also Jamar Goff out of Pahaska. Nick Hughes out of Vian reminded me a lot of Eli Hooks. Uh, Jaden Brown out of Booker T. Washington in Tulsa. Evan Reigns out of um, Vertigris. I've of Vertigris. And then you also have Noah West, the sophomore out of Bigsby that started that defensive end. I think he also formed a nice duo there with Robert Fuentes. So again, that's a position I, I, I would definitely, definitely look forward to seeing that rotation because it's going to be very tough to earn staff because that is a very deep and talented unit, uh, which again is very, very refreshing given the 2019 season, how bad that pass rush was until Draquan Brown did emerge down the stretch. But like I said, looking forward to it here. Spring ball starts 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 tomorrow. The first on-field look at Adam Doyle era, culminating in the spring game, April twenty-third, six p.m. inside Richardson Stadium. Like I said, I plan to be there. Uh, hopefully, we see some positive signs. Hopefully, we see some answers to the to the to the storylines. The biggest things to watch out for. We have some answers going into into fall and some momentum. Going into fall, that is positive. That we can turn that that we can turn this thing thing around. I, I just again just preach patience with this. I said this uh, after the Adam Doyle press conference. I said we need to taper expectations. I know talking to staff and Michael Slater after the industry uh, press conference. They're high on him. I talked to Dante. He's high on him. When I talked to Coach Sanders, he's high on him as well. I just I, this. I just I have a similar feeling to this. I want to give a shout out to the men's basketball team this past season under Bob Hoffman, uh, winning the regular season conference conference crown, making the making the tourney. It, it could be. Of similar trajectory, right? When Bob Hoffman, I was there. His his first year, and I, now I feel like the, the the football team has more talent than that team did than the basketball team did his first year. But you look at they improved every year. They they were competitive in spurts that first year. 
year two, they lost a lot of close ball games. And then year three, which was this year, you know, they, they go on a run. Uh, they fit their ranked. They win the conference. Uh, they make it to the tourney. And, and uh, most of that team was, was Val Hoffman's guys that he brought in. You know, so it could be the same way because obviously you bring in a coach with Coach Burrell's uh, resume with championships in in this conference specifically. If you look at this first signing day class, right? You look at the offensive linemen that he built that that they bringing in big physical dudes. You look at the receivers. You've got you've got explosive guys. You've got some tall, lanky guys. He's got two very good running backs. I think you have a, a, a possible franchise quarterback there in Cooper Wilcox. And then you look at the linebackers in the secondary. They're going to get long, physical guys. And if you look at Northwest Missouri, what was the calling card that I said every year where I feel UCO always was evenly matched at the skill positions, but in the trenches is where they just mauled us to death. And that's why I say at the very last two recruiting classes of the Bobek era, I said I was pleased at the way we went out and got better in the trenches. And you saw that last year on defense. We need to see it this year on offense. And I feel like if we do, if we could have at least at a minimum a winning season. I feel like the floor, the floor at this time, before I have seen anything of this new of this new regime, before I have seen anything, the floor, the floor, I still stand by what I said last year. The floor is six wins, which is a winning record. I, I don't know what the ceiling is. I have to wait until spring. I'll have to wait to look at the overall roster heading into the into the into the fall to tell you that. But I can tell you this is a team that I'm looking forward to seeing out there. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth. And I really hope you are too. Uh, all spring practices are open to the to the public. All start at 4 p.m. So if you are in the Edmond area, you're able to do so. I encourage you to, to check them out for yourself and, and, and get a feel uh, for this team. But uh, as I before, I look forward to being on here in a couple of weeks with, with, with Dante McGee and then uh, looking forward to being back in Richardson Stadium at uh, April 23rd, 6 p.m. So until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.